Praise God. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Psalms, chapter number 51. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. So thankful to be able to worship Him together. Amen. I'm so thankful to be in a church where we still preach and teach repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is the greatest experience you could ever have. Amen. I'm so thankful that I've been born again. If you're thankful to have the Holy Ghost, give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember, this Friday night is our missions rally on Friday at JNCC. Brother Nathan Batson is going to be preaching, and he's one of my favorites. He's a great guy, good friend, fantastic preacher. We're going to have a great time Friday night. If you are bringing a missions offering for that rally, we're to bring it tonight. Tonight's the last night to give that, but I promise you that if you bring some Wednesday or later, we'll still make sure it gets there. Amen. We're going to be a great time in Jesus' name. Psalms 51, verse number 12. Remember all the announcements, all of our guests and new members. Please come to First Steps following service. We have lunch prepared. We're going to have a good time of fellowship. And also, if you will, Remember, we have Be Free at 5 o'clock. We have prayer at 6. And uh, I have a word from the Lord for the church, I believe, tonight at uh, 6.30. Be a great time of worship. Psalms 51 and 12, if you found it, say amen. amen. Restore unto me. Everybody say restore. restore. Amen. Didn't you all just sing? What was that line you all just sang? Restore. You restore everything. Amen. We had an MC several years ago, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and he got so excited, he said, church, sometimes God knows what he's doing. Sometimes he does, and on the other times he still does. But the word of the Lord says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Anybody feel that this morning? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I'm preaching a simple message this morning. Restore my joy. Oh God. Lord, you are in control of this service. I ask you, like Moses did, show us your glory, God. Lord, I pray, like your word says, confirm your word with signs following. Let there be an outpouring of the anointing of joy in this place today. Pour out the Holy Ghost and do a work of your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. And why don't you lift your voice and praise Him. Why don't you give Him the glory that's due His name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. The definition of joy, according to Webster's Dictionary, is an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. Delight, a state of happiness, 
It has also been defined as feelings of great happiness or pleasure, especially of a spiritual kind. There are many synonyms or similar words to the word joy. Some I've already read in the definition, happiness, pleasure, delight, gladness, merriment, and enjoyment. The biblical definition of joy reveals a similar tone. Cheerfulness, glee, gladness, happiness, mirth, rejoicing, especially accompanied by laughter. It comes from a Hebrew root word that means to be bright or cheerful, to be glad, to rejoice, to exult, and to display joy. That word exult is something that we don't use much in English anymore. It's an old word. But the word exult means to show triumphant elation and jubilation. Boy, I like that definition right there. The point is that when joy is full, it leads to an expression of joy. A smile, laughter, worship, rejoicing. Obviously, in defining joy, there are a lot of words and a lot of ways to describe it. But one thing is certain. We all, in our hearts, know when we feel joy and when we don't. We have all felt joy at some point, and we also know how it feels when we don't feel joy. I will tell you that to a large degree, the Bible is a book about joy. Amen. Job described the very beginning of the earth. There's many scholars that believe that Job is the earliest written book of the Bible. The Bible is not always, the books are not necessarily always in chronological order from when they were written. So the book of Job, he, the Bible says in Job 38 and 7, when the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. One Hebrew rendering of that passage is this, quote, the angels shouted for joy as God laid the foundations of the earth. From the very beginning of the world, joy was part of God's work. From the very beginning to the very end, the book of Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. The Bible is a book about joy from beginning to end. From the very beginning to the very end, the Bible speaks about joy. At the birth of Jesus Christ, there was joy. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 10, The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God wants all people to have joy. Amen. At the end of Christ's earthly journey, there was joy after he ascended into heaven. The very next verse in Luke 24 and 52, it says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy 
and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. From his birth to his ascension, Jesus brought joy. The life of Christ was about bringing joy to his people. In short, one of the major themes of the entire Bible is the theme of the joy of the Lord. From cover to cover, you find on its pages many references to joy. As a matter of fact, there's 542 references. You'll find the words joy, gladness, delight, pleasure, laughter, merry, happy, and other synonyms. The book of Psalms alone speaks about joy 105 times. The Gospels, the book of Acts, and the epistles also are fruitful on the subject of joy. From a general survey of the Scripture, the Bible is a book that's overrunning with the joy of the Lord. You can't read very far into the Bible without reading about the joy of God as he reflects on his own handiwork. Genesis 1, 3, and 4, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. That part of the Hebrew definition of the word good means joyful, cheerful, pleasant, or merry. God saw the light, and he got joy from the light. In the very first handful of scriptures, God has joy over his creation. The Bible is full of people, of God rejoicing over what he had done for them. You'll read about Israel rejoicing over victory. Shouting for joy at feast days or first fruits. David dancing before the Lord with all of his might because the Lord's presence was coming back to the city of God. In the New Testament, you can hardly turn a page without reading of some expression of joy. Someone healed by the Master, and the Bible said they went their way rejoicing. Or great joy in the city when the gospel was preached, or Paul, John, Peter, James, and others speaking of the joy of believers because of God's grace or the hope of eternal life. The Bible is a book about joy. Joy is a recurring theme of this greatest book that there's ever been. Jesus came to bring joy. Amen. At the announcement of his birth, the angels declared that they were bringing good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It was an announcement full of joy because a Savior had been born in Bethlehem, and that Savior came to bring joy to all people, not just a few, not just the wealthy, not just one class or another, but the joy of Jesus Christ was for all people. Everyone in this building can walk out of here with the joy of the Lord if you want to. It's for all people. It's not only for some. It's not only for a few. But the good tidings of Jesus Christ is joy for all people. 
You may be sitting here thinking that joy is for someone else, but not for you. You may think there's too much in your past. I wish I had somebody to help me preach this morning. You may think there's too much in your past or your present, in your family, on your record, for you to really experience joy. But the Bible says, this book says that the joy of Jesus is to all people. God wants everyone to find joy in him. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah, the Savior, would come in Isaiah 61 and 3. And the Bible said to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God wants you to have the oil of joy poured out on your life today. That was a prophecy about what Jesus would do when he came. To appoint unto them that mourn. That word appoint is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. The word appoint means to put or to bring to place, to set in place, or to give. He came to give to those that mourn beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for your mourning. God came to put joy in your life today. Somebody say that's the Bible. Amen. I'm trying to get somebody convinced that God does not want you muddling day by day with no peace and no joy and no happiness, but God has come according to his word to put joy in your life. The Savior came to give joy, the oil of joy, to those that mourn. Jesus, in his own words, made his purpose clear. John 10 and 10, he said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the devil's come to do, to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy you. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God doesn't want you settling for just average, ordinary existence, but God wants you to live an abundant life. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I wish somebody would pray, God, have your way here this morning. God, help somebody to wake up this morning and get in tune with what you're doing. Jesus came that you might have abundant joy. Not somebody else. Not just the dude across the aisle wearing a tie and a jacket. Not the guy that's been in church his whole life that never experienced anything. But everybody in this place, God wants you to have joy. A few years ago, there was a hit television program called Duck Dynasty following a Louisiana family that promoted Christian values. The, the, the main star of the show was a guy named Willie Robertson who was the CEO of the company. In the stardom reaped from the program, he rubbed shoulders with all sorts of Hollywood elites. He met 
stars and producers and financiers and, and, and people in positions of power and authority, all from the popularity of that particular program for a season. But all of those people he met, the money, the fame, the power, the fortune, didn't bring joy to those people. Mr. Robertson said in a graduation speech at Harding College, quote, some of the most pe miserable people in the world are rich and famous people who live without Jesus. Amen. Let me say it again. Some of the most miserable people in the world are the rich and famous people who live without Jesus. The things of this world will not bring joy. At times over the years, I've referred to one of the greatest baseball players of the 1980s. That's, that's the problem with getting older is that the people that I identify with, the, the young people here don't even have a clue they, who they were or anything about them. But I'm going to refer to a, a 1980s baseball player named Daryl Strawberry. He was an elite baseball star, a World Series champion, an MVP. At one time, he was the most feared hitter in all of professional baseball. He was extremely wealthy, but he was famously miserable. After attempted suicide and suspensions because of drug abuse, he was quoted to say this, quote, I did everything to make me feel good. I drank alcohol, took amphetamines. Later down the line, I got introduced heavily into cocaine. But Daryl Strawberry, one of the wealthiest most athletically talented men and famous men in the country found that none of the things he wanted his whole life brought happiness. A World Series trophy, a World Series ring, an MVP, a batting title, a home run title, none of that ever brought him happiness. So at the end of the day, after cashing his checks and getting the applause of thousands of people in the crowd, he would drink and take amphetamines and use cocaine because when everybody else went to bed, this man that had everything had no joy whatsoever. Another famous man said, quote, life is full of anxieties and fears and tears. It has a lot of grief in it, and it can be very grim. You want to know who said that? The man's name was Charles Schultz, the creator of the Charlie Brown cartoons that were in every newspaper when we used to have newspapers, television specials, books by the millions published around the world, a multimillionaire with every material possession that a man could possibly want, had everything the world could offer. But with all of that, his outlook when he spoke was of anxiety, fears, tears, grief, and the grimness of life because he learned a fact that in reaping everything the world has to offer, that it's something that you and I already know, that the things of this world do not bring true joy. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm trying to reach for somebody today. Can I tell you that drug abuse is an attempt to find happiness and peace in a world full of anxiety, fears, tears, grief, hurt. People violate 
the eternal marriage vows thinking that another relationship will somehow bring them a measure of happiness. But that, my brothers and sisters, is a lie that has been created in hell itself. Amen. Research shows that those second relationships fail 90% of the time and the end result is less happy and more depression. People in the world are in a search for joy, but they're looking in all the wrong places. The world gives temporary pleasure, but it does not give joy. Oh, hallelujah. The pleasure of sin is only for a season. It lasts for a finite period of time, and then it's over, and you got to go get more from the world. But true joy comes from Jesus Christ and a real relationship with Him. Oh, hallelujah, I'm starting to feel my help come right now. It's not a revelation. It's Christianity 101. I'm preaching the most basic of basics this morning. That joy comes from Jesus, not from things, not from people, not from success, not from popularity. Not, not true, none of that truly provides joy in your heart and in your spirit. You can amass stuff and lay your head down at night and be the most miserable person in your world. The Rolling Stones were, wrote, a, wrote a song that talked about, in that song it talked about riding in a fancy car, watching TV and traveling around the world and spending time with some girl. And at the end of all those verses that talked about those things, the end result of all of their stuff, all their travels, all the girls, and all the experiences that they, that they, that they lived in this world, they ended it with these lyrics, I can't get no. You, some of y'all, where, where, where'd some of you hear that? I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. I can't get no. I can't get no satisfaction. That's what one of the world's most famous, wealthy, popular, iconic songwriters and bands said. I've had it all, and I can't get no satisfaction. I've experienced everything the world has, and I can't get no satisfaction. I've had cars, popularity, money, faith, girls, but out of all that, I can't get no satisfaction. But here's what a Holy Ghost-filled Jesus name, apostolic songwriter from the same era wrote, about the same time, the world may try to satisfy that longing in your soul. You may search the wide world over, but you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you've found the Lord. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. Amen, Brother Wilson. I'm, I'm introducing some of these young people to a song that, that, that it, it came and went before they were even born, unfortunately. Here's what he kept on writing. Here's the chorus. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy in heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. 
On one side, the devil gave them everything. On one side, the devil filled their pocket with money. The devil filled their veins with drugs. The devil gave them cars and girls and everything. And when it was all over, they laid down and said, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't find joy. But a Holy Ghost-filled man said, I found it. Only Jesus can satisfy it's not in the drug. It's not in the arms of another person. It's not in the things of this world. It's in Jesus, and it's in Jesus only. A joy that's not determined by what's going on around us. A joy that's not based on what material things we may or may not have. A joy that remains steady in the face of fickle emotions. A joy that only Jesus can give. Money can't bring it. Material things can't bring it. Fame, popularity, status, the praise of others will never give you the kind of joy that I'm preaching about today. The world cannot give you joy because the world does not have joy. It's bankrupt in the area of joy. And because the world doesn't have it, the world can't give it. But Jesus has it, and he gives it. Hallelujah. In fact, here's what the kingdom of God is about. Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. never-ending quest, trying to find peace and joy. People spent all night last night in bar rooms and in places where they should never have been, trying to find a little bit, a little bit of peace and a little bit of joy. But they'll wake up sometime today and they'll find out that what they thought they had last night has somehow dissipated out of their bloodstream this morning. But the kingdom of God, it's not in meat and drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in, somebody shout it, in, in the Holy Ghost, the joy of salvation, the peace of mind you're searching for is in the Holy Ghost. It's not in a bottle, it's not in a pill, it's not in a power, powder, and it's not in a person. It's in the Holy Ghost. What you need is not to win the lottery. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need a new girlfriend. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need a new drug. You need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Can I preach a little while longer? And I'm trying to preach as fast. I told Tip, Brother Tucker, I said, pray for me, Brother Tucker. I got a whole lot of notes this morning, and I got to stay focused, and I got to preach. He said, I'll help you pray about that. Most of the people that I deal with on a regular basis that are unhappy are people who I have not seen really respond to the Holy Ghost in a long time. I'm not trying to be offensive or insensitive, but the facts are the facts. The answer is be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, it'll bring joy and peace to you. Praise God. 
the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And when he comes into you, he brings his joy with him. Amen. That's one of the reasons we need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Is because we need the joy. of. Can I just tell you, do us all good to pray through this morning. Amen. Can I tell some stodgy old Pentecostal folks that think that the altar is just for people who backslid or have problems or this kind of chaos in their life. Can I tell you, you need an old-fashioned visit to the altar to get joy back. You need to get a fresh anointing of joy. Well, praise God, that's where I lost some of you because you want to sit on a pew and come and go and you're satisfied in just existing, but what you really need is a fresh Holy Ghost outpouring of the joy of the Lord. Every elder, every young person, every man and every woman, Every sinner and every saint, every mom and every dad, every first-time guest and every long-time member, every single one of us should pray through today and get full of the Holy Ghost. Joy. Look at somebody tell them joy. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. You can't get the Spirit's fruit without getting the Spirit first. The Bible speaks about the joy of our salvation Joy is the result of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. To really have true, lasting joy, you have to have been born again. True salvation brings joy. Joining a church won't necessarily bring joy. Signing a card won't become, and becoming part of a congregation won't bring joy. But if you'll repent of your sins. Amen. God, I'm sorry for how I lived my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I'm sorry for the things I said. God, I'm sorry for the way I've acted. God, I'm, and repent of your sins and then get baptized in Jesus' name. It'll wash your sins away and then you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every one of us, from the platform all the way back to the back classroom, we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you've been here 70 years, 50 years, 40 years, if you've been here three days or one hour, you need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When I was a kid, our church sang a little song. See, I can't sing. I got friends, they can step up, man, they just start singing the Holy Ghost Falls. I start singing, it's one way to clear a church out like nobody's business. When, so I just read songs. When I was a kid, our church sang a little song. It said, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And they, then they want to make sure you know it, so they said it again. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, they said it again. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. 
Did that, did that song make it down here? Or was that just a north of the Ohio River song? The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. If your joy is in the world, the world will take it away. You mark it. You mark it down. The world will take it away. But the world, the joy I have didn't come from this world. It came in an altar when I was visited by the presence of Jesus Christ. And it turned my life around. It set my feet on solid ground. It did something in me. It's the joy. And you can have it today. You don't have to walk out of here miserable and empty and dry. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. James 1 and 2, my brethren, count it all joy. And this doesn't make any sense to the world. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. When you're suffering. When you're being tempted and tried. When you're going through stuff. You can still have joy through your struggles. Happiness is condition-based. But joy is position-based. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. Happiness is condition-based. But joy is position-based. I can have joy when I'm not happy because my joy doesn't come from what's going on around me. The joy comes because I'm positioned in Jesus Christ. And when I'm in his hand, no man can in any wise pluck me out. When I'm in him, the things of this world have no effect on my, they can affect my happiness, but it doesn't affect my joy. Let me preach a little bit longer. Y'all aren't in the altar yet, so I'll just keep going. Acts 5, 40 and 41, and to him they agreed. And when they had, had called the apostles and beaten them. Oh, man. When they had called the apostles and beaten them. Why don't you just go ahead and beat the person next to you. No, don't. Oh, Lord, I, I knew he was about to get... That's the problem when some people don't get jokes. When they call, had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, whining and complaining because they had been treated so bad. Down in the dumps because they had had a bad day. Coming to church... And not worshiping to let God know they weren't happy for how the week turned out. No, no, they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. If you've got joy, you can rejoice no matter what's going on in your life. Hallelujah. One of the darkest days of my life. One of the worst days of my life, my wife and I had lost a baby. And to get back from the hospital to where we were staying, I realized we were almost out of gas. So I stopped at a, at a gas station in West Knoxville, and I was filling my car with gas, and I was broken, and I was, I, I, I was, I was frustrated, and I was upset. But I stood there, and the words of Job came to my mind. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't have to have good circumstances to have joy because joy is based on your position, not on your condition. Hallelujah. 
chapter number 1, verses 10 through 12. The field is wasted. Everybody say wasted. The land mourneth. Everybody say mourneth. For the corn is. The new wine is. The oil. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen. And how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is, the vine is, the fig tree, the pomegranate tree, and the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are. Man, that's a bad day. You think you had a bad week. The field, wasted. It's so bad even it feels like the land is mourning. The corn, you like, anybody here like corn? Too bad it's wasted. The new wine is dried up, it's gone. Went to pour it out, there's none in there. The oil languished. The wheat and the barley. Because the harvest of the field is perished. Well, maybe the, the fields are bad, but maybe, maybe we can get some fruit from the trees. Well, I've got bad news for you. The vine is dried up. There'll be no wine. The fig tree, the pomegranate, the palm tree, the apple tree. Well, the list is going to be too long. I want to say pecan and orange and grapefruit. I'm not going to go through all that. Let me just... Let me just condense it to say, all the trees of the field are withered. Man, I'm going to be hungry. Doesn't look good, does it? The entire harvest ruined. Look at the verbs and the verb phrases. I had you say them. The verbs and verb phrases used to describe what happened to the harvest. Wasted, mourneth, dried up, languished, perished, withered. The corn, the barley, the wine, the oil, all the trees of the field, withered. Anyone ever feel like everything around you is dried up, withering, perishing, languishing, mourning? How do I, leave that verse up for just a minute if you will please. How do we get in that condition when it feels like everything in our life is drying up? If God loves me and cares for me, how can I get to that withered, languishing, perishing, mourning situation? If God really cares, how am I in this condition? Look at the end of verse number 12. All the trees of the field are withered. Notice the last phrase. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Joy didn't go away because the harvest went away. The harvest went away because joy went away. The chaos that comes in your life doesn't cause your joy to go away. Losing your joy is why you've got the chaos in your life. Amen. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. What they reaped in their life 
was connected to their joy. If the devil can get your joy, he can get your harvest. What you reap in life is connected to your joy. When joy withers, your harvest withers with it. Let me preach a minute or two longer. I know I've been preaching 36 seconds, 36 minutes. That feels like 36 hours. The word, though, it said because joy is withered. The word wither means to become dry, to shrivel. It's a process, folks. It happens a little bit at a time. You don't water your flowers in July, see what happens to them. The first day it may look okay. The second day may be all right. But it's not going to be long you begin to see signs of stress. Soon the edges will begin to shrivel just a little bit. They'll wither. And before long they're brown and dying. Can I tell you your soul needs joy. And joy comes from the Holy Ghost. You can't go days, weeks, months without praying through to the Holy Ghost and expect to maintain righteousness, peace, and joy. You need the joy of the Lord. And because you need joy, you need the Holy Ghost. I think that's my cue. Lord, let three beeps mean keep preaching. Praise God. This is why I push people to pray. This is why I push people to worship. This is why I push people to respond to the presence of God. Because you need joy, and joy comes from the Holy Ghost. You need joy, and joy comes from the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 12 and 3, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Joy is what gets water out of the well. You need joy. Lord, let one be mean, quit, keep preaching. Listen, the devil wants to make coming to church a drudgery. If he can get you to check out of this sermon, that's exactly what the devil wants. And if you let him do it, you're playing right into his hands. The devil wants to turn worship and church into a drudgery and a hassle. He wants to fill, fill your life with so much stuff. Not for your benefit, but to keep you from coming to the well. Because he knows that you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. Psalms 122 and 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. Psalms 42 and 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone. Everybody say had gone. I had past tense. I went with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. He said, I, I used to go to the house of God. I used to go to the presence of the Lord. And when I did, I had the voice of joy and praise in my life. 
with the multitude that came to worship. He said, I remember those days. I used to have joy and praise, but it's been a while since I felt it. Can I tell you, the enemy wants to silence your joy. Nehemiah 8 and 10, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah told the people, go be blessed. Go be blessed. Go and enjoy life because the joy of the Lord is your strength. God, I need joy in my life today. God, I need your joy in my life. Psalms 51 and 12, our text. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me. And uphold me with thy free spirit. The word restore means that joy had been lost. Circumstances, life, whatever the case may be. David had honestly run, had honestly through his own spiritual neglect and sin, traded his joy for other things. What he thought he might find through his desire left him empty, dry, void. And finally he wised up. And he came to God and he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. God, I need my joy back. I've gone too long without it. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I'm coming to a close quickly. 1 Samuel 30 tells us another story about David. He and his army were doing the will of God, fighting for the kingdom. While they were doing battle for God, the enemy came and stole all their goods. But not only their goods, their wives, their children, their cattle, all their belongings, everything was stolen. These mighty strong warriors sat down. The Bible said that they wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever wept so much that you didn't have any more tears left? Anybody ever been that deep in grief? That deep in depression? To where you don't even, you, you want to cry, you're crying in your heart, you're crying in your mind, you're crying in your spirit, but all the tears are run out. The Bible said they wept until they had no more power to weep. Can I tell you, no matter how strong you are, Someday, life is going to teach you a lesson. And one of the things that the enemy took was David's wife, Abigail. 
The name Abigail means a source of joy or the joy of my father. The enemy took the source of joy from David. I know from personal experience that joy can be lost. I fought a long battle at one point with depression. I couldn't make myself feel happy. Every time I tried to convince myself of all the reasons I ought to be, it made me feel guilty for being depressed, and it made me even deeper and deeper into it. The only time I ever felt any peace at all was when I was preaching, and as soon as I was done, I went back into the abyss. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I did my job because I had to do my job, but I was bound because the joy, somehow the stress of life had had emptied me. The enemy took Abigail from David, the source of joy. And David wept till he had no more power to weep. And when the tears stopped, David had to get up. And the Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he asked God what he should do. And here's what the Lord said, 1 Samuel 30 and 8. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Sometimes joy don't come to you. Sometimes joy won't come to where you are. Sometimes you got to get up and go after joy. Sometimes you got to stir yourself up and say, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm not going to exist like this anymore. Pursue, for thou shalt without fail recover all. Somebody's got to go after your joy now. Somebody's got to, can I just say it this way? You got to quit crying, get up, and go after it. Joy's not going to come bowl you over at your pew and knock you down and say, Here I am. You got to go after joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David said, How am I going to get Abigail back? How am I going to get joy back? Tell me how I'm going to get my father's joy back in my life. He said, you got to pursue after it. you got to go after it. you got to get up from where you are, and you got to go. If you want your life to change, you're going to have to get up and go for that change. You can't stay where you are and get it. you got to go. But if you'll get up and go, God said you will recover your joy. Can I be so bold? Maybe, maybe smart aleck enough to say that the reason some of you are in the condition you're in is because when I preach a certain amount of time, you shut off. Because you want to leave more than you want joy. And so you exist in that condition, wondering what's wrong with God when there's nothing wrong with God. It's God says, come on, if you want it, come get it, but I'm not going to throw it at you. If you want it, you got to come get it because I'm not going to bring it to you. 
You got to go after. He said, pursue. Get up and go. You got to get up from your crying spot. You got to get your sword back on and you got to go fight. You got to get tired of how you're at. You got to get tired of how you're feeling. You got to get tired of just existing and you got to pursue. But if you'll pursue, you will recover. You can get your joy back. You can get your peace back. You can get happiness back in your life. You can have it. Look at somebody, tell them you can have it. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm on the last page of my notes. Praise God. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Hallelujah. Praise God. The God of hope. You see, joy dies when you lose hope. I'll never be better. I'll never change. I'll never have a good life. I'll never do in hope. But the God of hope fill you with joy, not just joy, all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you again what I said earlier? Every single person in this room needs a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every elder, every young person, every first-time guest, every 50-year member, Every male, every female, everyone needs a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everybody needs a baptism of the Holy Ghost. If it's been a while since you prayed through, you need a baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you've never prayed through, you need a baptism of the Holy Ghost because joy is in the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, pour your spirit out. God, pour the Holy Ghost. God, pour the Holy Ghost in this place. God, pour the Holy Ghost on the one that's dealing with anxiety and can't seem to get through it. God, pour the Holy Ghost on somebody that's fighting depression and can't seem to find it. God, pour the Holy Ghost on the one that's miscontented, that's upset, that's angry at life and the world pour the Holy Ghost on marriages that can't get along, on young people that are rebellious. God, pour the Holy Ghost on people that are trying to find it in bottles and pills and powders. God, pour the Holy Ghost on people that are pursuing it in careers. But God, what we really need is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Restore unto me the joy
your hands up. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David had been knocked down. But then he said, uphold me. spirit but not just the, but the free spirit anybody can have it and when the devil tries to knock you down I'm upheld by the free spirit and then trouble comes and the spirit keeps holding me financial trouble comes and the spirit keeps holding me temptation comes but the spirit keeps holding me trials come Fear comes, anxiety comes, depression comes, but every time it comes, God, just hold me up by your free spirit. Just keep holding me by the Holy Ghost. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy. Oh, come on, there's something happening here right now. I've been preaching to somebody that you know that this life is draining you out of everything you've got. The answer is not out there. The answer is right here. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. You ought to throw your hands up and say, God, baptize me with the fresh anointing. right now it's joy unspeakable restore come on don't look around lift your hands to heaven and say God restore my joy God restore my joy God restore my joy I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost God come on everybody I said it everybody Everybody needs a touch of the Holy Ghost today. Everybody needs to touch the, the throne of heaven. Restore my joy. Restore my joy. Come on, there ought to be a tongue talking. There ought to be a tongue talking on every pew in this church right now. Lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, don't, 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 don't expect it for somebody else, but you say, God, I need it. Come on, you ought, to, you ought to look to heaven and start talking to Him. Pour it out on me, God. Pour it out on me. Come on, you ought to start talking in tongues. You ought to let the Holy Ghost touch it until you can pray through right now.
If you don't have it for yourself, right, why don't you lift your hands and say, Restore my joy, God. God, restore me in the Holy Ghost. This entire church is an altar right now. Reach over, pray for somebody. Worship with somebody. It's Holy Ghost time. Ghost, why don't you just say, God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation.
Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Somebody close to you. Pray with somebody close to you. Reach over with somebody and pray. pray one for another. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what trials and tests and pressures that they face throughout the week. You don't know the news that they got this week. You don't know what things might be going on. Some days it's not as easy to have joy as other days. That's why you got to pursue it. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Come on, the Lord's working here right now. Be led of the Holy Ghost, folks. Come on, let, let's, we got other stuff to do, but be led by the Holy Ghost. There's some things being broken in the Spirit here.
our hands to heaven and thank God that he's concerned about us. He knows the way that we take. His, his word provides solutions and answers and direction. dismissed in a little bit. If you wonder why we have speakers in the vestibule and the restroom just so people won't hang out up there and think they're getting away from church. <laughs> We're sneakier than we look. <laughs> I don't know, maybe we look that sneaky. Amen. Brother Wilson, will you help me get Sister Joanna? I'd like for they're making their way forward I am a firm believer that giving honor to whom honor is due is a biblical principle amen you never go wrong by giving honor to people that deserve it matter of fact the Bible says that the ones that do well are worthy of double honor A couple of years ago, as we knew we were pushing closer to preparing our new building, we began to try to figure out kind of how we could direct people. We have so many buildings. I mean, it's a big campus. There's a lot of, it's a lot of space from this carport to, the, I mean, we got three carports. It's a lot of buildings. We didn't want to just call it the old church, the new church, and this and that. But uh, y'all are supposed to be up here too. There, come on. <laughs> Say what? I must not have got full instructions, but I'll get them this afternoon. We didn't just want to call it the old building or the old dining hall or this. You know, we we. And so in our staff meeting, my wife and I and Brother Austin and Brother Ethan, we wanted to find a way to orient people on our campus and at the same time honor the people that got us here. Sometimes you'll hear us call the school and dining room, the educational facility, we call it the S&P Wilson Center to honor Brother Steve and Sister Pat who over the years have given their life to the church. Amen. We, we're starting to refer to this building, this campus, this old, what we would call the old building, as the J.F. Wilson Center in honor of Brother J. Frank Wilson, who served for so many years. No one knows the true value of a pastor's wife more than a pastor does. 
And I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like we could just designate places without, without thinking about Sister Lillian Wilson. The truth is, this wouldn't be the church it is without the years that she served. The shame is that so many of our younger people and new people never got the chance to know Brother and Sister Jay Frank and Sister Lillian Wilson. They were special, special people. And so we wanted to, to honor Sister Wilson, Sister Lillian Wilson, by naming the old dining hall the Lillian Hall or the Lillian Wilson Dining Center. I think we're calling it Lillian Hall. And that's to honor, that's to, yeah, there it is right there. Because, because it's important that, that we remember how we got where we are. And so, Sister Joanna had a, a picture of her mother at the house. And she got wind that we were, what we were trying to do, and she brought me that picture. Sister Peggy Goolsby took that picture and, uh, and, and we and brought it back, and we're going, we got a little bit of, of maintenance we need to do in that, in that entryway there, but we're going to do, we're going to, uh, to, to present this to the church so we can always remember Sister Lillian Wilson. Y'all, if you will. Hold on before you do that. Sister Carson, I know you don't want to, but come on up here. <laughs> Tim and Sam, well, they're not there. They're already, they're probably, I don't know, they, they might be golfing by now or eating. I don't, that's okay. I'll chalk that up to my long sermon. Y'all will? Can you can you unveil this? Okay. For you that don't know, Sister Carson and Sister Joanna and Brother Wilson are Sister Lillian Wilson's children. Get out of that picture. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. That's honor where honor is due. Mother's Day is coming up, and, and uh, not, not all of them will be here on Mother's Day. They'll be, be different places with family. And so while we had them here today, we wanted to do this. I want you all to know how much I appreciate you all giving your life, sharing your family, sharing your parents, and giving yourself to this church. And I know that the only reason we're here is because of people like her. And so we honor Sister Lillian Wilson. Mother's Day is coming up, and I can't think of a better way to remember it. Amen. And with that, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. this on my own. Joanna made me do it. She wants us to say thank you from this church. Our parents love this church. They gave their life for it. And 
we're thankful today to be here. Thank you so much for honoring our parents. They are wonderful people. Thank you. Now you're dismissed in Jesus' name.